you would, turn in the Bible to 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Last week we announced that we're going to do this series through 1 and 2 Thessalonians differently. And we're going to just keep going verse by verse, even in through Sunday evenings. So last Sunday morning... We preached on chapter 2, 1 through 12, and last Sunday evening, we preached on chapter 2, verses 13 through 16, and today, we will start at chapter 2, verse 17. So, if you were here last Sunday, you got the first 12 verses of chapter 2, and now you're here this morning, and we'll pick up at verse 17, but you missed verses 13 through 16. If you're able to come on Sunday nights, we encourage you to get a little bit more uh, interaction with the church and preaching of the word. If you're not, all of those services are available online. You can listen to them or you can watch the sermon. Today we're going to pick up at chapter 2, verse 17. And here we recognize Paul's concern for the Thessalonian church. He's concerned for them. And in order for us to have a sermon or message on caring about people, your bulletin says, when you really care about people, we must start with Christ, the Lord Jesus. We must start there. We read this passage from Matthew chapter 9, where Jesus sees the people, and the Bible says he has compassion on them. Jesus is a better man than they were. He could have, I guess, looked down upon them. He is a judge. He could have rightly judged them. He is good at everything he does. He could have recognized how bad they were doing and the reasons why they were in the tough position that they were, but he didn't. And the Bible tells us that he had compassion on them, and it was on a deeper level. He recognized that those people were like sheep without a shepherd. What do shepherds do for sheep? They take care of them. They protect them. They feed them. They lead them. And as John 10 tells us over and over again, the shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. In understanding the sheep-shepherd analogy, we are to recognize that the shepherd is what the sheep need. Sheep need a shepherd. And in Jesus recognizing a crowd of people, there were certainly many observations, but the one that the Bible tells us that drove him to compassion was that he observed and recognized they were like sheep without a shepherd. They needed God. They needed a Savior. We get that from Jesus. Church, we do well when we embody the heart of Christ. We as individuals, you being a Christian in your own life, and we as a church collectively as a whole must, must understand this and get it. We are to be people who first and foremost see the world with compassion because they are sheep without a shepherd. We must learn to stop pointing the finger. We must learn to not think that we're better than people. We must take the attitude of Christ who humbled himself to the point of death, even death on a cross. And he considered people as more important than himself. 
And he had compassion on them because they did not know the Lord. We see Paul, the apostle and missionary, who had been to Thessalonica, who had seen God save people through the preaching of the gospel and bring them to faith and salvation and had started a church there. Now he cares about them. And in this short letter, the letter to the Thessalonians, 1 Thessalonians in our Bible, we see this concern, this care coming out. Read with me, starting at chapter 2, verse 17, all the way to chapter 3, verse 5. But since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time, in person, not in heart, we endeavored to more eagerly and with great desire to see you face to face. Because we wanted to come to you, I, Paul, again and again. But Satan hindered us. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? For you are our glory and joy. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone. And we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith that no one be moved by these afflictions. For you yourselves know that we are destined for this. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass, and just as you know. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. This isn't necessarily the type of passage that somebody would preach if they were just preaching one. Seems to be transitional, speaking about his heart, certainly not the main thing that's going on here. But it might be the foundation behind writing the letter to begin with. He's just concerned for them. But we want to cover the whole Bible, and we want to cover every passage in this book. And so here we are. Paul misses them. He wants to see them again. He's thinking about them. He's feeling for them. He is praying for them. He wants to know how they are doing. In a spiritual sense, he is their father. He has led them to Christ. In a pastoral sense, he is their church planter. He's the one that led them to Christ, and he's the one who started the church and was teaching them and discipling them, but he got run out of town, and he's no longer there. He wasn't there that long. And so he's rightfully concerned. He really cares about them. Today, I want to give us three points about what it means to really care about people from Paul's example of the Thessalonians. Number one, we really care about people when we care about them spiritually. We really care about people when we care about them spiritually. It's good to care about people on every level. I hope you're doing well in school. How are you doing in school, right? I hope you're doing well with your job and your uh, finances. How are you doing with your job? Those are great concerns. How's the marriage going, right? How's it going raising those kids? How's life been, right? Those are great ways to be concerned. But another way to be concerned and the most important way to care for people is about them 
spiritually. How's your heart? How are you doing? How are you feeling? How's your peace? How's your relationship with the Lord? How's your time in God's word going? How's your church doing? Are you involved? Are you there? Are you going? Caring about people spiritually is what we see Jesus doing. It's what we recognize that Paul is doing here. All right? So let's look at it. Verse 17. Since we were torn away from you, brothers, for a short time. Now, this is interesting because we know what it's talking about. In Acts chapter 17, when Paul and his team arrived in Macedonia, in Thessalonica, they were preaching the gospel. They were not there long, and the opposition arose. The persecution happened, and so they left. They got out of Thessalonica. It tells us that in Acts chapter 17. And here he says, we were torn away from you uh, for a short time. We were not there that long and now we're gone. And maybe they thought they were going to go back sooner, but they didn't go back yet. And yet, so he's concerned about them. And he wants to go back. And it tells us here that he was trying. It even says in verse 18, uh, I, Paul, again and again. But he says, Satan hindered us. The Bible doesn't tell us what that hindrance was. We know that Paul had often wanted and tried to get back to Thessalonica, but he says here, Satan would not allow it. And so what we have out of that longing, that missing, he misses these people that care for them. We have him caring about them spiritually. Look what it says there in verse 17. We were torn away from you in person, but not in heart. We're not there. I don't see you. I don't get to keep up with you. You know, they don't have the email and the text. They're not doing FaceTime video calls, right? He didn't get to see the next baby that's been born. He didn't get to, he didn't get to go and hug them around the neck. None of that's happening. But he does mention that while those things aren't happening in person, his heart for them is still there. We were torn away in person, but we weren't torn away in heart. Even though he's out of town, he is still thinking about them spiritually. And from his heart for them, he endeavored the more eagerly with great desire to see you face to face. He cares about them. He loves them. You can see it. You can see it coming out. Two times in this passage, chapter 3, verse 1, and chapter 3, verse 5, he uses this expression, when we could not bear it no longer. So this was heavy on him. Man, I wanted to see you so badly, and I just couldn't take it anymore. And we'll get to that a little bit later. But verse 1 and verse 5 both say, I could not bear it any longer. But you may be asking right now, but yeah, but, but, but still, I mean, how do we know this is a spiritual concern? How do we know this is on a Christian level, God level? How do you know? Well, look at verse 19. Paul goes there brings up all sorts of spiritual things. For what is our hope or joy or crown of boasting before our Lord Jesus at his coming? Is it not you? Paul takes spiritual concern to a level that, just to be quite honest, we rarely do. How much does Paul care about them? Well, he says he cares about them in light of the Lord Jesus Christ. That Jesus is in play in every relationship that we have in the world. Every person we know, the Lordship of Christ ought to be reigning over 
that. That's the way it goes. Because one day, the Bible says, every one of us are going to bow our knee before him, and we are going to confess with our tongue that Jesus Christ is Lord. There is coming a day when all of the lights will be turned on, every question will be answered, everything will make sense. There will be no more confusion, there will be no more wondering, there will be no more wondering, you know, are they really Christian, are they saved, are they going to heaven, are they going to hell, you know, there will be no more of that. There's coming a day where it will all be made clear. And if this is true, then the way we live our lives, every decision we make, every sense of obedience and disobedience must be brought under the lordship of Christ. It matters, it matters, it matters. Everything that we do matters to God. Even the people that we know and interact with and love. And Paul knows this. On one hand, he's writing a letter back to some people in a church and just saying, man, how's it going? How's the church doing, man? I've been thinking about you guys. How many people are you running in church now? Are you still baptizing some people? I mean, how's it going? But on the other hand, he's saying, one day Jesus is coming back. He mentions that at his coming, verse 19. One day Jesus is coming back. And when Jesus comes back, it's going to be a judgment of the whole world. And pastors are going to be judged even more strictly about how we handled the people that were underneath us. And so there's going to be a day really soon, Thessalonians, where God Almighty is going to come out of the sky and set up judgment for the whole world. He's going to talk to me about you Thessalonians. So let me ask, how are you guys doing? I'm concerned about you. I don't get to see you. Haven't gotten a letter from you in a while. What's going on? We were torn away from you after a short time, right? It tells us, listen, it tells us that he stayed in Ephesus for a couple years, discipling and discipling and discipling. And Acts chapter 20 tells us that in Ephesus, they were crying their eyes out when he had to leave. That church is pretty strong. He left Timothy there to be the pastor in Ephesus. In Thessalonica, persecution popped up like that. They were torn away after a short time. And now you've got this church that was there after, what, a couple weeks of discipleship? That's hardly anything. After any Christian training, any leaders raised up? No. So he's concerned about them spiritually. How are they doing? But he recognizes that every single thing, there will be no excuses. You know how you have a meeting and some people come over and you maybe you wanted to get the house all cleaned up, but they showed up before you got the house all cleaned up, and you just say, thank you all for coming. I just want to apologize about, about this. We've just, we just been so busy. We haven't had a chance to straighten up. There will be no excuses like that on the last day, folks. On the last day, there will be no excuses. There will be the sweet love of God in salvation in sending his son the first time to die on the cross in our place, and the sweet love of God when he comes the second time to take us all with him in heaven. But it's going to be so glaringly obvious that not everybody believes. And since we know that day is coming, our biggest concern for people ought to be, do you know him? Are your sins forgiven? Are you right with God? Have you turned to him? And the mark of those who believe is that they have this level of concern for those about them. We care about people spiritually. Jesus walks into town and feels these people don't have a shepherd. Teaching, feeding, leading, 
protecting, guarding, dying for them. These people don't have a shepherd. And I know life's hard and life's busy, and so you and I, rightly so, at times feel like it's hard to keep that intensity. And that's where we come back to where truth matters and discipleship matters and reading our Bibles matter and thinking about the most important things matter because here Paul brings up that in the judgment, they will be able to boast of the Thessalonians. It's kind of a weird thing because Paul's the one who says over and over again, we don't boast in anything. There's nothing to boast about. Far be it from me that I would boast in anything except the cross of Christ to which I have died and the world has died to me. That's what Paul says. Paul quotes Jeremiah chapter 9 when it says, do not boast about anything. Don't let the rich man boast about how rich he is. and Don't let the strong man boast about how strong he is. And don't let the smart, wise man boast about how smart and wise he is. We don't boast. We have nothing to boast of. We're saved by grace alone. We haven't earned anything. If we boast, we boast about God. And yet here he's boasting. It's a weird thing. What he's boasting about is that the grace of God worked in him, called him to go to a place in missions. He goes there, and the grace of God saved those people. It's awesome. It's God doing what God does in saving people, but through people. It's fantastic. And so Paul recognizes, I hope that everything I'm trying to do for God, that God's doing through me, is actually bearing fruit. And when we get to the judgment, if the Thessalonians are there too, it's going to be like, praise the Lord. Jesus is Lord and Savior, and you guys are there because God's sweet salvation, and he did it through us. That's what he's saying. And you can imagine just how deflating and lifeless and discouraging it is if the persecution they faced where they're beat up, they're put in prison, they're left for dead, was all for nothing because now they're run out of town and the Thessalonians have abandoned the faith and they no longer believe the scriptures and they're not holding on to Christ. So he writes a letter of concern. He cares. In a similar way, we feel this when we have people in our lives that we've loved. Somebody you've done Bible study with for years who you don't know how they're doing. Somebody that you've raised for 18 years and you took them to church or whatever and yet you wonder, do they even value that? Do they still believe? We feel this, right? Was it all for nothing? Was it any good? What's God doing? But this is the heart of the letter to the Thessalonians. He cares about them spiritually. I want to read this quote to you from... A commentator on 1 Thessalonians, his last name's Green. The focus is on the fruit of the labor, which was in danger because this young church, bereft of leadership, struggling without full Christian instruction, faced Satan-inspired persecution that was designed to lead them to give up and abandon their alliance with the living God. This is on Paul's mind. He cares for them. He went there against all hardship to tell them of the good news of Jesus that died for them because God loves them. That's why he went there. And now he's gone and he fears that maybe they don't believe. That's heavy. That's spiritual concern. Now I want to make one more point under this spiritual spiritually caring about people and I want us to embrace fully embrace here this morning that when you really come to know Christ as Savior this is the product 
You start to care on levels that you didn't care about before. It's the truth. When you start to recognize salvation, eternal life, heaven or hell, that life matters, how bad sin is, how lost people are, you will care, or you should. And this is what Jesus does to you. We're to recognize that this concern comes from knowing the truth, from knowing Christ. And we see this at how incredibly contrasted this is. Last Sunday night, in the passage before, 13 through 16, read that with me. We also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you accepted it not as the word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you, believers. For you, brothers, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you suffered the same things from your own countrymen as they did from the Jews, who killed both the Lord Jesus and the prophets and drove us out and displeased God and opposed all mankind by hindering us from speaking to the Gentiles that they might be saved. So as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them at last. Here's the contrast. The Thessalonian church is the Thessalonian church. It's a new, young church, new believers, new converts. They had recently heard the gospel for the first time. They had recently trusted in Christ and become saved. And what you have with the Thessalonian church, that's what he just mentioned, is the other townspeople from Thessalonica opposing them, hating them, attacking them, persecuting them. And the same Thessalonian church has the Apostle Paul over here caring about them so deeply. That's what Christ in your life will do to you and the people you know. While the world just wants to indulge in pleasure, doing things that make us happy, trying to find our own path in life that's gonna be good for us, the person that knows Jesus cares that the rest of the people would know Jesus. The contrast from the 2, 13, 14, 15, and 16 to Paul and his team in 17 and following is night and day. The other Thessalonians are hating that they've embraced Christ, and Paul is deeply burdened that they would keep trusting in Christ, and so it is in our day. We're praying our eyes out each and every morning that you would be here, that you would keep holding on to Christ and you have friends and family that are doing the opposite, working toward the end, that you would give it all up. That's just the truth. And last week we saw a high school girl get baptized and this morning we saw a high school boy get baptized and everybody in the room knows that the world is coming for them, right? Yes. And all of their friends that don't know Jesus are gonna hope that they fade out. And everybody that doesn't know Christ is going to hope that they become hypocritical and fake so that they are no longer a witness upon their conscience. But for those who love Jesus, we are going to pray like crazy. And as Matt just said, he's going to disciple him like crazy. And as Garth, the youth pastor, knows, we're going to disciple them like crazy. We're going to do everything we can that they would keep trusting in Christ. Here is the reality of the world that we live in. You have friends and family that are hoping that you will not keep going for Christ. And yet here we are hoping that each and, of, each and every one of us will keep going. We care 
spiritually. Paul is burdened that those Thessalonians are still holding on to Christ as Lord and Savior. But secondly, not only does he care about them spiritually, but they care about them through suffering. This is where it gets real. This is where it gets very, very real. Look at chapter 3, verse 1. Therefore, when we could bear it no longer, we were willing to be left behind at Athens alone, and we sent Timothy, our brother and God's co-worker in the gospel of Christ, to establish and exhort you in your faith. Here's what he's saying. I couldn't come, I couldn't come, I couldn't come, I couldn't come, and I wanted to get there. Satan kept hindering me, so here's what I did. I decided to just send Timothy. If they're not going to let me back in Thessalonica... Here's what I'll do. I'll just send Timothy. He'll be able to get in there, and I'll have him come, figure out how you guys are doing. He'll come to your church meetings. He'll spend time with the Thessalonian church, and then he can come back and tell me about it. It's not as good as being there myself, but it'll have to do for now. I just can't bear it any longer. So that's what he did. He sent his young guy, Timothy, there to to bring back a report. But look what it says in verse 3. That no one be moved by these afflictions. The afflictions he's talking about is that they were persecuted, they were beaten up, they were rejected, and they were run out of town. Imagine being a new Christian, and the people that led you to Christ are getting beat up, and they're trying to kill them. That's the situation often with persecution. And so Paul's like, I don't know what y'all are thinking, and I'm really worried about it. And so he says here, I don't want you to be moved by these afflictions. He says, you yourselves know that we are destined for this. This is a part of it. This is what the Bible teaches. I really don't know what it means for us except for that it could be coming. But what we know it means in the New Testament is that Jesus himself was opposed. He was hated. He was rejected. He was beaten. He was persecuted. And he was killed. And Jesus, our Lord, Master, Savior, and King, has said, if they did it to me, they will do it to you. And we see it happening in the New Testament. Saul, this guy saying this right now, had eyes on Stephen as Saul's people literally killed Stephen in the book of Acts. And Saul knows now, Paul, that he is trusting in Christ and living for him, that the same afflictions and oppositions will come. And so he's trying to comfort the Thessalonians that this is what's going on. This is hard. This isn't necessarily what I signed up for. I, didn't, I hope they didn't always go this way. But they don't like us, and they are trying to kill us. They oppose us. They will arrest us. They'll put us in jail. They'll try to beat us. They do all of that. And he's trying to tell them this is what's going to happen And yet we see his deep concern and care for the Thessalonians that he's willing to keep caring for them through the suffering. It's a message in and of itself. Now the power is in the gospel message. The power is in Jesus. But as I said last week, right, there's the the ministry of the word and then there's the ministry of the example of our lives. Sacrifice. Service. It's what we saw in the beginning of chapter 2. And Paul is reminding them that even though there is much affliction here, we still care about you. It will not cause us to stop. This is something that you need to remember, that we need to recognize. When they turn against us, 
when they badmouth us, when they misunderstand us, when they represent us wrongly, when they spread lies, or whatever else might happen to the people of God, we are to remember this is part of it. It was worse for our Lord Jesus. But we will stay the course and we will keep caring for the sheep without a shepherd. And we will keep caring for the church that knows Jesus. Paul's concern for the Thessalonian church even through suffering. Look at verse 4. For when we were with you, we kept telling you beforehand that we were to suffer affliction. Just as it has come to pass and just as you know. In other words, church, listen. Do not let hardship, adversity, suffering and persecution cause you to stop following Jesus. Do not let trials and tribulations cause you to stop caring for the lost world around us. Do not let it trigger you into a physical fight these days. That's not how we fight. Do not let it trigger you into Blaming and pointing the finger and becoming judgmental and getting prideful about how good you are and how messed up they are. Don't let it happen. Remember that Jesus himself was hated and opposed and killed and he said they will hate you too. Through many trials and tribulations will we enter the kingdom of heaven. Paul is teaching the Thessalonians this. Is Christ still Lord and King to them? Absolutely. Are all of their sins forgiven in Christ? Absolutely. Are they to continue holding on by faith through all of this affliction? Absolutely. And Paul is reminding them this. His suffering is a witness in and of itself about how deeply he cares. Now... We're not necessarily facing this type of affliction. Let's be honest about that. But let's also recognize that when we love and serve and witness faithfully through service and sacrifice, the witness is strengthened. When it's 100 degrees outside and our people are dripping sweat to continue to pass out food in the food pantry, it's a sign that we're not in it here for the comfort. When it starts pouring rain and our people are still outside serving food in the pouring rain, it's a sign that we're not doing it for the paycheck because there's zero paycheck. We're not doing it for the reward because there's no reward. It's a hot, wet, sorry day. But we're doing it because we sincerely want to help whoever we can help. We want to point them to something bigger than physical food to the spiritual food of Jesus Christ that satisfies all of our hungers. When we serve and sacrifice, our witness to Christ is strengthened because it is obvious you're not doing it for yourself, you're doing it for us. Through the afflictions that the missionary Paul is facing, the Thessalonians are to see he really does care about us. He really does want us to thrive spiritually. He really does care about our well-being and our souls. Commentator Green says, these itinerant missionaries' well-being took a second place to concerns about the welfare of the Thessalonian church. 
There's a lot of talk in the American church about witnessing. There's very little talk in the American church about witnessing through suffering. We hear all the time about evangelism and witness and numbers and try to reach people and all that. And we hear very little about how hard it will be on you and how not fun it might be, and yet the witness can be strengthened through that. Hey, just because somebody talks bad about you, right, or isn't grateful that you took food to their house, or that you bent over backwards to serve them, just because they still hate you is zero reason to stop loving them. Zero reason. We love because we have first been loved. We go, we give, we sacrifice, and we spend because Christ has gone and been and sacrificed and given everything for us. Start to last, beginning to end. Our reward is in heaven. Worthy is the lamb who was slain. We care about people spiritually, even through suffering. And Paul is doing this for the Thessalonian church. Paul could have been sitting wherever he is, writing this letter, going, y'all are messed up, man. I came there to help you all. Y'all run me out of town, and I'm over that. Not even close to his heart. Not even close. A deep burden desiring to get there so that he could show them the way of Christ. He could continue teaching them and continue caring for them. Number one, we care about people spiritually. Number two, we care about people even through suffering. And then number three, we long to be comforted in our care for people. Look at verse five. For this reason, when I could bear it no longer, I sent to learn about your faith for fear that somehow the tempter had tempted you and our labor would be in vain. I've already said that's the second time that he's mentioned I could bear it no longer. So finally, here's what he says. I, I just had to know. I just had to know. You ever been thinking about calling somebody and you think, I, just, I don't know, maybe I shouldn't call. I'll give them some space. I'll just, give them, I'll, I'll just wait. I'll just wait. No, maybe I should call. You know? Maybe I should call and check up on it. No, I, I'll wait. I can't call. Finally, I just can't take it anymore. I got to call, right? I got to hear how you're doing, right? That's what's going on here. Except for he couldn't call, he had to somehow get there, and Satan's hindering him from getting there. So finally he just says, here we go, I'm sending Timothy. Timothy, go, please, 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 tell me how they're doing, see how they're doing. Check on this person, this person, this person. Please, let me know they're still preaching the word. Let me know they're still trusting in Christ alone for salvation, man. Let me know if they're meeting and worshiping and singing songs. Let me know how they're doing, and get back here as soon as you can, man. I just got to know. That's where Paul is. He cares. And imagine, imagine the comfort that comes when you get the good report. Now, tonight's sermon will start right there at verse 6, and he gets a good report. It's like the relief of all reliefs. It's fantastic. See, when you care about somebody, you want to know how they're doing. You run into somebody and you say, man, how you, how you been doing? How's it been going? And they say, it's been rough, and your heart just sinks. And you run into somebody and you say, man, how you been doing? They say, man, we're doing great. I got so much good news to tell you. And you're like, oh, my goodness. I'm so glad to hear that. On the spiritual level, y'all, this is like huge. And that's what's going on here. He cares spiritually. He cares spiritually. He cares about them spiritually even through suffering. And now he's longing for comfort. And y'all know what that's like. 
And so what we can recognize from that is how strengthening and refreshing it is when we get to see God working in people's lives. How strengthening and refreshing it is. What do the Proverbs say? Like a glass of water is good news from afar. How good it is for our souls. When we haven't seen somebody in a while, or we haven't heard from somebody in a while, and we get a good report. We got a lot of college students that are away at college. And y'all know how it is away at college. Like we have no idea what they're doing. We don't even know if they go to class. We don't even know if they go to bed. We don't know what they're doing, right? And sometimes we think about them all the time, and sometimes we forget about them. And then they come back up in our mind, and we reach out to them. We send them a call or write a text to them or something like that. And sometimes it's like, oh, man, it's been hard, man. I know I moved here in August, and now it's November, but I hadn't thought about Jesus since I got here. And it's like, oh, goodness. Have you been going to any Bible studies? No, I don't think they have any here. I'm like, oh, I'm pretty sure they do. And it's like so discouraging. But then you check up on a college student that could be doing everything else in the world. And, hey, how you, how you doing spiritually? We're praying for you. Church back here loves you. We think about you. I just gave your address to a whole group of ladies that write cards. You'll be getting some. They said, man, you're not going to believe it. I found me a campus ministry. It's awesome. And then I found me a church over here I've been going to on Sundays. And they took me out to lunch. And I'm about to meet up with the pastor's wife in a little bit. And it's going great. That is like strengthening to your soul. That's where Paul is writing this letter to the Thessalonians. The comfort that comes from hearing that God's people are still trusting in God. About 10 years ago, we had a family show up here. Actually, I say we had, some, we had a young lady show up here at our church. She got involved. She was doing well. It wasn't long before she had a boyfriend and who did premarital counseling. And it wasn't long before uh, they got married here. And they are still a part of our church. They... They're involved, they serve, they walk with the Lord, they've been discipled, and it's been going on for 10, 12 years. I'm not going to name them. Don't want to embarrass them in front of all of you all. But this has been going on for a long time. We love them, y'all love them, you know them, it's awesome. They are believers in Christ, and it's obvious. About a month ago, I got invited to a pastor's meeting throughout all of Louisville. There were about 60 pastors there, and we had lunch together, and then somebody spoke to us, and I ended up just sitting at some random table with a bunch of pastors. And they said, where, where are you, Pastor, at? And I, and I uh, told them, and I said, well, what about you guys? And there were four guys from the same church there. And they started telling me about that. And I said, I, th- man, I think we got some connections back there somewhere. Let me, let me think. And I, I started naming some of you all that go way back. And this was a long time ago. It's a really, really small church that this person I'm thinking of came from. I said, do, do you know such and such? And they said, yeah, how do you? I said, well, she goes to our church. They said, really? He said, we haven't seen her in 12, 10, 12 years. We've been wondering, man, where, where is she and how's she doing and what's going on? I said, well, brothers, let me tell you, she's doing great. 
She loves the Lord. She's in church. She goes to Bible study. She met a guy. He loves the Lord. They got married. They're involved. It's going great. They're like, unbelievable. Praise God. As she had gotten out of high school and gone off to college, you know how that goes, that, that five or six years of, of life, she had kind of lost touch with them, found our church, and the rest is history, and she's doing well. But they had said they had not heard anything about her in that many years. And they said, praise the Lord. One guy even said, man, I can't wait to go tell my dad. He's been worried about her. He's been thinking of her. This is going to be great news to him. It was awesome. It was awesome. Paul is right there, waiting, wondering. The thing is, he's not sitting by his phone waiting for that text to come through. He's not checking his email each morning hoping that they wrote back. He's not waiting by the phone for it to ring. He's sending Timothy on a long, dangerous trip to face the hardship to see if those believers are still trusting in Christ. When Timothy gets back, as you can see starting in verse 6, he brings a good report and it comforts Paul. Church, we are to be a people that care for people well. We are to be a people who aren't standing distant, not doing anything physically in the world to demonstrate care and concern. We're to be those that are helpful, that sacrifice and serve, so that when we do express spiritual concern, the proof is in the pudding that we really do mean it. We really care. We love When suffering comes, and one might think that that would uh, uh, put out the flame of our concern or, or put up an obstacle that we're not willing to suffer through, no, 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 we keep being concerned for people. We care even through the suffering. And we look forward for the, to the refreshing comfort that comes when we get a report that they are still trusting in Christ. Church, may we believe that Jesus is the most important thing in life. He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, the King of all universe. One day we will meet him. And that Jesus, when he lived here, cared for people. He had compassion upon people. And he saw them as sheep without a shepherd. May we, starting first with our own brothers and sisters in Christ within the church family, those that we see and know, and then also to the world around us, may we care. May we know that one day you and I are going to stand before Christ. And we can't wait for that moment because we know our Savior died for us. And may we take that faith and allow God to empower us to help other people know Christ in that way. Let's ask God today to make us those that genuinely care. To give us godly concern for others. For the glory of God. For Christ's sake. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you for a subject and a sermon on caring and being concerned. God, help us to look in the mirror and recognize, do we really care? Are we concerned? Does it matter that much to us? Does the return of Christ and the coming judgment factor into how we feel and think about people? God, thank you for Paul's heart, burden, concern, and care for the Thessalonians. It's teaching us how to be. And God, we know how sweet it is when we get the good news. Father, we pray. We pray, dear God, 
that you would strengthen our church to have a good, healthy witness like this. God, make us humble and lowly. Make us those that want to really make a difference. Help us to get over ourselves and think upon Christ as our Lord and Savior. Help us to recognize ourselves as needy before you and not judgmental to people who are needy before you. Father, thank you for being the shepherd that leads and informs and disciples us sheep. Father, spiritually, work in us now. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.